Hello and welcome to Barefoot Boy Radio. Uh, today we're going to be um, learning a little bit about somebody somebody named GGL. That's him right here. Oh, there he goes. Yep. That's him right there. He was a um, bit of a crazy, controversial punk rocker back in, um, in the... Uh... <laughs> oh, shit. Back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s. And um, you can see him here. He was known for his wild, crazy um, performances on stage. Where, you know, he was most of the time wearing uh, underwear or nothing. And um, he he would always fight people in the audience. He would always try and, you know assault people he would shit on stage and then throw it at people you know all all kinds of crazy shit you know like the whole show is pretty much just one fucking battle of gg allen versus the audience this guy's fucking nuts but anyway we're gonna we're gonna talk about this guy today talk a bit about him um Talk a bit about where he came from, uh, you know, his upbringing and um, his career in music and his crazy escapades. Um, Oh, yeah, see, there's right there. He's not wearing anything. (laughs) So there's all types of videos on YouTube of of his live shows, um, him on talk shows, uh, all crazy shit. Um, see, look at this. <laughs> that dude was clearly not, not, uh, fucking into it. I don't know what that guy was doing there. He didn't look like the type of person to be at this show. All right, go back. Look at this guy. <laughs> Guy's like, oh shit, why did that come here? But anyway, he's a fucking crazy dude. Um, and uh, if we uh, if we go to Wikipedia here, there's some information on um, on who he was, where he came from. So he was born Kevin Michael Allen, or um, or no no no, he was born Jesus Christ Allen. I think he changed his name later. Um, so his his dad was a bit of a um, fanatical religious nut, a very strict, abusive guy, and, um, and let's see, early life. So he was born in Lancaster, New Hampshire, um, younger of two sons, uh, born to Merle Colby Allen. That was his dad. And his mom, Arletta Gunther. Uh, And he was given his name uh, because his father told his wife that Jesus Christ had visited him and told him that his newborn son would be a great man in the vein of the Messiah. So that's why he was named Jesus Christ Allen. 
So, you know, if you can imagine your parents, you know, popping you out and then be like, Son, your name is going to be fucking Jesus Christ because we think you're the second coming. So, um, off to a great start there. Uh, his father was abusive, religious fanatic who threatened his family with death, digging graves in their cellar. So he would literally go and fucking dig their graves and then threaten to kill them. Um... First ten years, Alan. I think that was a book he wrote. Uh, Alan wrote that Merle uh, wanted to kill his family in a murder-suicide. Um, he despised pleasure and allowed his family to be very little contact with others. Uh, they lived a primitive existence and were more like prisoners than a family. So, um, so you can kind of see. Um, uh, you, you can kind of start to see why uh, G.G. Allen might have been a little bit different. Uh, his, his upbringing kind of, you know, started that off. Um, so, 1961, his mom filed for divorce. Uh, as his mental instability was worse, uh, worsening, Allen and his brother were, um, from that time, raised by their mother and stepfather and settled in East St. Johnsbury, Vermont in 1966. Arletta changed her younger son's legal name to Kevin Michael Allen uh, in 1962. So, uh, I'm, I'm sure he was glad that that happened. He was born 1956. That was 62, so he was about six years old, so I don't know if he'd gone to school yet, but I can only imagine, uh, <laughs> imagine going to your first day of school and the, the kids are like, hi, what's your name? You're like, my name's Jesus Christ Allen. What's yours? <laughs> um, Allen, a poor student, was placed in special, special education uh, classes and required to repeat uh, the third grade. According to his older brother, he experienced bullying by fellow students for nonconformity. Uh, in his second year of high school, he began attending school cross-dressed. So he would uh, wear dresses and shit, which he said was inspired by the New York Dolls, who were um, a 70s um, this hard rock band. I thought they were a punk band, but I guess they're hard rock. When asked about his childhood, Alan said that it was very chaotic, full of chances and dangers. We sold drugs, stole, broke, and uh, stole, broke into houses, cars, did uh, whatever we wanted to for the most part, including all the bands we played in. People even hated us back then. So that was his early life. He was brought up by a bit of a fucking nut. Uh, in the early early years um, of his career, Alan's earliest musical influences were. British Invasion in the 60s, Beatles, Rolling Stones, Dave Clark 5. Um, so he was influenced by that stuff. And then uh, Alan graduated from Concord High School, Concord, Vermont in 1975, shortly after formed the band Malpractice uh, with his older brother, a local musician, Jeff Penny and Brian Demers, a high school friend. Alan played the drums for Malpractice until the band separated in 1977. He then became the drummer of the band 
Strip Search, which released the seven-inch single containing the song Galileo and Jesus Over New York. Oh, there is a song by G.G. Uh, Allen called Jesus Over New York. So, sounding pretty fucking normal, you know, in the beginning. If you listen to a lot of his, like, earlier songs, they sound a little more, you know, like, um, normal rock and roll for back then. Um, versus, uh, versus this, which is a bit different. (laughs) So, anyway, we'll get to that. Um... So, from 77 to 84, Alan performed as frontman for the Jabbers, in which he played drums and performed vocals. Um, His 1980 debut album was Always Was, Is, and Always Shall Be for Orange Records. Um, So he fronted many acts during early to mid-1980s. Um, this includes albums from the Cedar Street Sluts, uh, the Scum Fucks in 1982, and the Texas Nazis in 1985, um, which I should try and find these. I don't know if uh, they're anywhere on the internet, but that'd be interesting. Uh, Alan remained in the underground hardcore scene. Uh, it was not part of the East Coast hardcore scene. His performances in Manchester, New Hampshire, with the Cedar Street Sluts, earned him the nickname of the Madman of Manchester, which um, you can hear a guy reference that in at the end of one of his songs. Uh, he gained wider attention with the R.O.I.R. cassette-only release of Hated in the Nation, uh, containing tracks from Allen's out-of-print catalog with the Jabbers, the Scum Fucks, and the Cedar Street Sluts. Uh, the tape also featured several in-studio and in-concert recordings with an all-star band assembly assembled by producer Maxman Rock Roll and early Allen patron uh, Mikel Board. Um, so, a lot of underground shit, you know, a bunch of stuff you never even heard of before. Um, so I'm guessing this is around the time at the end of the 80s um, that he got a little more, uh, you know, crazy. So by the mid to late 1980s, Alan was addicted to heroin and alcohol and generally abused any uh, intoxicants provided to him. I uh, first defa- defecated on stage in 1985 at a show in Peoria, Illinois. According to fellow uh, performer um, Bloody Mess, 
Uh, wait, what? According to fellow performer, I was uh, with him when he uh, bought the X Lax. Uh, unfortunately, he ate it hours before the show, so constantly had to hold it in, uh, or he would have shit uh, uh, before he got on stage. After he shit on stage, complete chaos broke out in the hall. All of the old men in charge of the hall went fucking nuts. Hundreds of confused punk kids were flipping out, running out the door, because the smell was incredible. Defecation became a regular part of his onstage act. So that's when that started. Um, Alan idolized country music legend Hank Williams and saw himself as a kindred spirit. Both were uh, relative loners and outsiders. Both were habitual users of intoxicants. Both lived with few, if any, possessions and both traveled the country relentlessly. Alan's acoustic output, documented on the EP The Trouble, The Troubled Troubadour, was heavily influenced by Williams. <coughs> he recorded his own rewrites of Hank Williams Jr.'s family tradition and David Allen Coe's long-haired redneck, calling his own version scumfuck tradition. Which, uh, that would be this song. So this song was apparently uh, a rewrite of Hank Williams Jr.'s song. Uh, what the fuck was it? Uh, family tradition. During this period, Alan collaborated with Bulge, also known as Psycho under a different name, on the album Freaks, Faggots, Drunks, and Junkies. Uh, the AIDS Brigade. Uh, Alan also began performing many spoken word pieces. So, um, by this point, Alan's performances, which often resulted in considerable damage to the venues and sound equipment, were regularly stopped by police or venue owners after only a few songs. Alan was charged with assault and battery, um, or in incident, uh, exposure, or number of, uh, on a number of times. What? A number of times. Uh, so he's fucking shit up. He's destroying shit, causing damage, police getting called. So, some pretty crazy shit on the regular at his shows. Uh, if you're listening to this and you can't see the videos playing right now, he uh, climbed up the fucking rafter, started hitting his head on the fucking rafters, and then jumped down um, wearing nothing but a jock strap. <laughs> 
So, in uh, late 1989, Allen was arrested and charged with assault uh, with intent to do great bodily harm, less than murder, of a female acquaintance uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, in a psychological evaluation made as part of the trial, uh, Allen was judged as having at least uh, average intelligence and was described as courteous, cooperative, and candid. The unnamed evaluator noted that Allen did not appear psychotic and seemed comfortable with uh, his unorthodox lifestyle. However, the evaluator asserted Allen was dependent on alcohol and had a mixed personality disorder, narcissistic borderline, and masochistic features. Uh, Alan, Alan initially denied the charges, claiming the woman was a willing participant in the sexual activities. Alan admitted to cutting her, burning her, and drinking her blood, but insisted that she did the same to him. Alan also claimed that inconsistencies in the woman's statement to authorities supported his uh, assertions. The judge in the case um, agreed there was substantial uh, inconsistencies in the woman's account. Ultimately, however, Alan pleaded, uh, Alan plea bargained to the reduced charge of felonies assault, and he was imprisoned from December 25th, 1989, to March 26, 1991. Uh, it was during, the, during this time in prison that Alan began feeling re-energized about his life and mission. He wrote the G.G. Allen Manifesto during this period. So I don't really know um, what uh, what year this show is from. I'm guessing this was after he got out of prison. Uh, not sure, but this is him talking about uh, uh, his his views on rock and roll and why he does what he does. Why, Gigi, did you feel a need to, uh, to defecate in front of a live audience? Well, my body is the rock and roll temple, and my flesh, blood, and body fluids are a communion to the people, whether they like it or not. I mean, I'm not, not out to please anybody. My, my rock and roll is more not to entertain, but to annihilate. And, you know, who, I don't, who is it that you would like to annihilate? I hate everybody. You know, anybody that's in my way, I just want to take them out. It's my, it's my revenge, really. You know, I just go through my mind like a machine gun. My body is the bullets and the audience is the target. And I see that rock and roll has just become so institutionalized that you've got people in monkey suits, you've got college jocks, and people with money running the industry. And I'm, I'm trying to bring danger back into rock and roll. And there are no limits and no laws. And I'll break down every barrier put in front of me till the day I die. But the applause, in case you're curious, is coming from uh, a, a G.G. Uh, Allen fan club there in the first two rows. He plays to sell out crowds, and this is what they see. Concerts filled with violence, bloodshed, and sexual assault. G.G. Allen wants to lead America's young people in a bloody revolution to take over the country. And he says nothing can be done to stop him. Why is that, G.G.? Nobody will stop him because I am the true underground messiah. When you come to my show, you're going to a war. And I'm out for violence, chaos, un lawlessness all the way. I don't care about anybody or anything except for myself and my mission. And your kids out there, if you've got kids out there, they're going to be my kids. 
I'm going to own those kids. They're going to do anything that I say. And why is that? Why do they do anything you say? Because I'm the king, and they can identify with me because the real, true, nonconformist children in this country are sick and tired of their parents, their schools, their people force-feeding them what to do. I am the answer. When they listen to my lyrics and they listen to my songs, they're listening to the way okay. that it really should be, and you know that, and I know that, so don't because your kids are my kids. All right, let me, I don't mean any disrespect. I get letters from all over the world. People worship me. They come to my shows. I'm going to rape the girls. I might rape the guys. I might have sex. I'm, I want it all. I want it all, and I'm going to have it all. Okay, let me Because I you. am everything. All right, yeah. You, uh, you go way beyond sex, drugs, and rock and roll in your performances. You uh, self-mutilate on, on I stage. I self-mutilate. I beat the <laughs> out of my audience. If they're in my way, I take them out. I don't care. I don't care about anybody or anything. When you come to my show, I'm the boss, I'm the king, you do what I say. You can challenge me, I have no problem with yeah. that. I, I like the confrontation, yeah. but you're going to lose. Out there. I am real. And I, how many of you can, at 35 years old, sleep with 16, 12, 13-year-old girls and boys and animals? Hey, this is the life. I got it all. And I got your kids. You worried about him, audience, or what? Yeah? You better be. How many of you think this is so ridiculous your kids would never buy you're, into well, it? You're, okay, right. well, come on. Come yeah. on, I'll take you on. Well, no, run right All now. Right. Come on. All right, simmer down. Come simmer on down. down. Simmer down. We'll simmer see down. So, uh, as you can see, Gigi Allen, uh, his, his mission was to bring the danger back into rock and roll and make it, you know, uh, dangerous and out there again. So, Gigi Allen's last show was on June 27, 1993, at a small club called The Gas Station, a punk venue located inside a former gas station at 194 East 2nd Street in Manhattan. During the second song, the venue cut the power, after which he trashed the club, walked across the street naked, and then continued on, now wearing shorts but still covered in blood and feces through the neighborhood followed by a large group of fans. Uh, after walking the streets for almost an hour, Alan eventually went to his friend Johnny Puke's apartment. There, uh, he and others continued uh, to party and use drugs. Sometime during the evening, Alan ingested large amounts of heroin, on which he accidentally overdosed, slipped into an unconscious state. Sometime in the early morning of June 28th, Alan died from the effects of his heroin overdose. Later that morning, someone noticed that Alan still lay motionless in the same place where they had left him and called an ambulance. Alan was pronounced dead at the scene. He was two months short of his 37th birthday. Um, so, this video here is footage of that last show when they went out in the street. Uh, so, in, in true... G.G. Allen form. He went out with a bang walking through the streets of Manhattan. So this is uh, I think going to his friend's apartment. Oh, you guys are going down to the floor. Yeah, I look at it. 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 Yeah,
It's like they, they want to watch somebody get into a taxi. Hey, look. What the fuck? Look, we got two, we got two, uh, engaged couples. Let's get two cats. No, that's all they do. I want to go. And then, and then we'll Gigi. Gigi. So, uh, you know, final hours of life uh, were spent in true Gigi Allen form, walking around Manhattan, you know, uh, <laughs> covered in blood and shit. Um, so, he, uh, he died the way he lived. So, even though he was a bit of an extreme person, um, there were still people at his funeral. Um, took place on July 3rd, 1993, in his native New Hampshire. Uh, this funeral, Allen's bloated, unpreserved corpse was dressed in his black leather jacket and trademark jockstrap. Gigi was buried with a bottle of Jim Beam beside his casket and requested... Uh, 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 what? Oh, as requested. Oops. As part of his brother's request, the mortician was instructed not to wash the corpse uh, or apply any makeup. Alan's funeral became a uh, low-level party. Friends posed with his corpse, placing drugs and whiskey into his mouth. As the funeral ended, his brother put a pair of headphones on Alan. Uh, the headphones were plugged into a portable cassette player in which was loaded a copy of the suicide sessions. So uh, even after he died, you know, still crazy shit carried on. But anyway, one of the uh, one of the craziest dudes in rock history. I don't I don't know if there's really anybody that matches or surpasses Gigi Allen. It's a, the fucking madman. So uh, this was an interview, or not interview, but this was like a, uh, uh, I guess it was a fucking TED talk? I don't know. But anyway, this was, uh, I guess, a talk he gave, um, which I remember seeing this before. Uh, it ends up getting a little crazy, of course, you know, fucking Gigi Allen. What do you expect? Here before I read anything, if I do. 
bunch of shit in here about me, saying that I've been crying wolf for the past eight years. Oh, yeah. So this uh, talk he gave was about um, himself committing suicide on stage, uh, which he had been talking about doing. Uh, he'd been talking about killing himself on stage. And uh, so that's what he's talking about here. And um, I'm pretty sure the only thing that stopped him from actually doing it was um, when he got sent to prison was he was uh, he was going to kill himself on stage before he got sent to prison. So I'm pretty sure that's the only reason he didn't actually do it. Do what? Kill myself sooner? 
Because it would have pleased you too much, you fucking cunt. Come up here. Why don't you come up right up here to the mic and tell me that? Come on. Come on. You want me to? Yeah. Why didn't I kill myself sooner? Why didn't you kill yourself sooner? So anyway, that was uh, you know a bit of a, a brief look at Gigi Allen. Um, you know, hopefully uh, you find that interesting. Uh, I think I covered most of the stuff about him. Uh, you know, just it was pretty much he was a crazy fuck. Um, but anyway, Gigi uh, was quite the um, quite the fucking uh, performer. You know, uh, he's kind of a terrible person. Um, he believed rape and murder should be legal, but um, if if you gotta find something positive about him, he uh, he definitely believed in not giving a fuck about what anybody thinks and just doing you know whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, very individualistic. Uh, but. Uh, just uh, to, to wrap it up, um, I'll play this clip of him. Uh, so, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for watching or listening to this. Most likely you'll listen to it. I don't know, whatever. Watch it, really fuck. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. Uh, and here's the here's this clip. My whole thing has got nothing to do with this. So let's let's get. 
a performance group together and let's let's do like some performance art and we'll draw lines. My my show is completely out of line. I I don't care if people don't like what I do and if you don't I don't even care if you don't think it's art. I'm out to inflict pain on people as much as I'm into inflict pain on myself. And that pain creates strength, power, and endurance, because if you put yourself through that tragedy every day, you could face that tragedy when it hits you. Todd, you're an NYU any uniform at all. You booked Gigi's uh, band in your school? Yeah, well, I'm doing a documentary film on Gigi through NYU Film School, and uh, I, had to, I wanted to get a spoken word type performance from Gigi, so I booked it through school, and we had some problems there. But what happened? What did Gigi do, first of all? Um, he came out on stage naked, which was what they had a problem with right away, and... Oh, well, <laughs> well, I mean, it was, and went around, collected money from the crowd, and basically everybody in the audience was scared, and in about, last about three minutes, and everybody ran out and <laughs> threw a chair, and, people, I mean... He, people come because they want to see something very dangerous, and they're going to get it. There's no, re there's no fake blood. There's, there's no props like most of the bands you'll see today on major labels. You'll see real blood, you'll see real broken bones, and that's beautiful. That's art. So people are leaving my shows and they're in pain. That is beautiful. I, I gotta t 